0: This is Rumble, and I'm Michael Moore. I thought we'd start off uh, today with a little piece from the opera Don Giovanni, one of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg's uh, favorite operas. I'm recording this late Saturday night, early Sunday morning, and so it's been um, uh, well over uh, 24 hours plus uh, since her passing. And I've had... um, a lot of time to think about what we should be doing, and um, I've heard from many of you. I woke up um, yesterday morning here, I woke up Saturday morning, and it was, uh, my mailbox was full of emails from you, thank you, I read all of them, and um, and my voicemail was full. Many of you had left left me voicemails with your thoughts, and so I thought I'd start today by just sharing some of the voices of you uh, the people that listen to this show. Um, the the voicemails are all less than a minute long. There's, I'm only going to play four or five of them. But um, it'll be good for those of you. Yeah. We're a bit of a community now, I think, some of us, uh, all of us. We've now hit the 16 million mark for a number of downloads since we started this a uh, number of months ago. So it's quite a few of you listening. And uh, so I thought I'd best way to begin this would, uh, would be with Ruth's, uh, uh, one of her favorite operas and, um, you in your response. So let's just roll this and, and I'll play four or five of the voicemails that were left in my uh, voicemail, um, uh, machine here this morning.
1: Hi, Michael. Rough night. It's going to be a rough day. We loved her so much. And, uh, she gave everything she had and we're going to be okay we're going to stop them we're going to stall them we're going to pull every trick we have out of our own magic hats and if all else fails we'll just expand the court her seat deserves to go to somebody who would honor her legacy and that's it. We loved her. We love you, and um, I'll wait to hear from you again. Thanks. Good morning, Michael Moore. I hope you've been able to rest. I know it's been difficult for me since I heard the news of Ruth's passing. I listened to your podcast, and I could hear your heart is broken. She was truly a great one. And you're right. We have to keep the fight going. We need to vote. It's critical. This is Anne Marie Sable, St. Peter's, Missouri.
0: Hello Michael, this is Jennifer. I'm in Los Angeles. Mitch McConnell has already stated his intent to let Trump put up his nominee, his choice. Congress is the legislative branch of our government by constantly changing the quote unquote rules of engagement, of doing their job based upon what suits him. He is by definition lawless and therefore you cannot allow these people to legislate when they demonstrate lawlessness in such a blatant manner. So I don't know whether this is an oversimplification, but I say that we have to block the doors to Congress so that they can't convene.
1: They can't let them in the door. By now, Michael, I think you can sense, like you did in 2016, Trump is going to win this election. I think you know it already. It's not because you didn't do a good enough job trying to convince the people and all that. It's not that. It's, that's where we are as a country. We are not a good people. We have really difficult karma pulling us down. And Trump is the one who's going to take us down, down, down. And uh, I, I just, the Democrats are sho- showing that they have nothing to give us. And even Trump, as bad as he is, he's going to win.
0: Hi, Mr. Moore. My name is Rachel Samuels and I live in Greensboro, North Carolina. Don't be discouraged. It's, it's New Year. It's Jewish New Year. I'm Jewish and she went out on Shabbat. That's a blessing. That is amazing to me. Um, I know that our fight isn't over. I know things are going to be awful because refuckle clans are going to always continually to fuck people over. That's all they've done for 20 years blocking me from being able to go to my doctor's appointment to get a pap smear to not kill my baby. I know all about it. I can get jailed if I want to have an abortion. That's just reality for me. Don't worry about it. My generation and on back. We're not going to put up with it. Please, please, please keep your faith. Have, don't be too pessimistic. We'll get through this. Those last thoughts about moving forward. What would Justice Ginsburg want us to do today? Uh, I don't think it would be sitting around and feeling sad and crying and although all of that is appropriate. A friend of mine who also happens to be the congressperson from Flint, Michigan, Dan Kildee, he went over there um, an hour or so, went over to the Supreme Court after she passed and um, stood there with all the people and so many people, hundreds were showing up and then thousands were showing up and he went back again, uh, yesterday and, uh, sent me pictures he was taking of literally thousands of people. Uh, it just kept growing and growing and growing and so many flowers and so many candles and I'll post a couple of them here on my, on my platform. But, um, I thought maybe too just, uh, uh, he recorded, he wanted to record his own message, um, from there in front of the Supreme court. So I'm just going to play that uh, now for you. This is my longtime friend since uh, we were teenagers, or maybe he was a teenager and I was 20. I'm a couple years older than him. He represents Flint and the gerrymandered piece of Michigan. uh, When the Republicans drew the map, Uh, he's a Democrat. Let me play his his message to all of you and to me, uh, standing there at the um, at the Supreme Court.
1: This is Congressman Dan Kildee. On a very sad day here at the United States Supreme Court, mourning the loss of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. What she meant to this country, what she meant to all these people gathered here, more than just the loss of a single person. It's the loss of someone who stood for principle, somebody who stood for equality and justice, who fought for it, and who never gave up. We need to honor her by making sure that the court is a reflection of the values of the American people, and we need to make sure that the United States Senate fully understands that.
0: I thought in this um, not-too-long episode here today, as uh, again, we're still operating in our emergency podcast system mode, as we believe that we are now in real danger because Trump and the Republicans are going to try to ram through um, somebody to get them on the court before he's defeated uh, in six weeks from this Tuesday. So we have a real fight in in front of us here, and um, I think it's I think it's the a fight that uh, that Justice Ginsburg would want us to take on in the way that she took on all those all those fights over decades, the things that she did. The, the, uh, you know, it's, it, in the various televised uh, editions of her life over this weekend, there's a lot of nice stories and whatever, but you must remember that um, she was a lawyer for the ACLU and um, her... Work and her lawsuits, and her taking things to, for instance, the Supreme Court when she was an attorney. She helped to essentially rewrite American law when it came to treating women as equals. And um, the profound impact that she had in fixing one of our fundamental. Sins in this country this cannot be overstated and um, I hope people remember it I hope it's discussed I hope it's taught um, there are a couple of really wonderful movies um, one is the documentary RBG um, I think it's uh, also based in part on the person who wrote the uh, I think it was a graphic novel The Notorious RBG and um, this is a wonderful documentary. Um, one of the really one of the best documentaries, I think, in the last decade. If you have a chance to see it, I know CNN it was one of the producers, so they're running it a lot, but I think you can get it streaming elsewhere. RBG, it's the title, it's easy to remember. Um, there's also a wonderful a dramatic film with actors um, that, that tells the story of the early part of her life when. Um, uh, she finally was allowed into a law firm and then when she f- was able to get a job in working uh, for the ACLU the, the film is called On the Basis of Sex the actress is Felicity Jones incredible incredible um, performance uh, the film is directed by Mimi Letter um, check it out you can find it on all the various streaming platforms I'm, I'm certain but what I want to do on this episode uh, today is to get busy, us, all of us, to get busy. And there are th- actions that we must take because, as you've seen in just the last 24 hours, Trump and Mitch McConnell and the Republicans, they – I don't think they've been to bed. They immediately jumped on this. You're, you're, we're going to hear the name of of the person that they've had lined up. I'm sure I'm certain for months, if not years waiting for this moment. One of the newscasters said that Trump was salivating um, at the prospect here of, of being able to replace her and to have three, three appointments to the Supreme court to actually fashion a court in his image and likeness and leave that with us for the rest of, you know, very possible. Any of us who are anybody really who's over um, forty-five, even maybe stuck with the Trump Supreme Court for the rest of your lives. So, um, so we have to get busy. We cannot allow uh, this third appointment. Uh, and so that's what I want to talk about in this episode, and I want to give you some ideas uh, that some of you have sent me, some I've been thinking about. Basil has been thinking about it, and and. Uh, we don't really have um, really a, a, a minute to waste here. But even though they're salivating and even though they, they just can't wait to ram another one of their right-wing appointments onto the Supreme Court, um, I think I think it's possible that Trump and McConnell and the Republicans in, in the United States Senate, uh, they may actually be setting themselves up to make the biggest mistake that they could make in the 2020 election. They, they think that you know by recklessly uh, rushing a lifetime appointment to the Supreme Court uh, to get that approval process going right away, right now, when we're just six weeks before the election, that that's going to play really well to their base. The base is going to love that. But they're making a couple of mistakes here. First of all, the base already knows that the Supreme Court's in their hands. It's not like they're trying to, they don't have to get it in their hands. It's already in their hands. With with Ruth Bader Ginsburg's death, uh, the the court is now five to three, conservative versus liberal, five to three. Even by even by ramming through, uh, if they can, if they can pull it off, and I don't think they're going to be able to. That's my, I'm making a prediction here. I'm just saying if we all do our work and if we all do these things I'm going to suggest right now, I think we have a, a good chance of stopping this. But even if they get it through, it's it's still five, it's a 5-4 court in their favor. That's why their side isn't really that motivated about about this, their the base, they actually, the everyday people that support Trump. They also forget that their base has women in it. You know, 53% of white women voted for Trump four years ago. There are women in his base, and they they too can have an unplanned pregnancy. And they too have been forced with choices to make. I'm not talking about the crazy religious part when it comes to abortion. I'm not talking about those women in the base. I'm talking about women, you know th- – The thing with abortion and, and with wanting to have the choice over your own body, that's, that's, it doesn't matter whether you're liberal or conservative. I think if you're a woman, I don't think you want some man telling you what to do. That's just a guess. Even the conservative women, I think if they're faced with that situation and they have to decide, they want it to be their decision, not the government's not the men. And I think this is what they've they are not thinking about here that by treating this like yeah, we've got to we've got to get somebody on the court right now to really kill Roe v. Wade. They don't understand that support for choice in this country it has grown by leaps and bounds over the last decade or two. In some polls, almost 60% of the American public support a woman's right to choose. And amongst women, when they poll women, it's sometimes over 75% of women, naturally, believe that they should have this choice. Women and men on the Democratic side, overwhelmingly, in all these polls, want to keep abortion legal. And since Justice Ginsburg's passing on Friday night, everyone has woken up. You know it. You know it just from your friends and family and everybody talking about it. Everybody is like hardwired to this to this sad and scary event that has happened. Now, I'm, there may still be an enthusiasm gap when it comes to our former vice president who's running for president. But talk about enthusiasm gap, going back, the possibility of going back to the dark ages of back alley abortions. Well let me tell you, the electorate is, is about as charged up as they can be there is they're' they're, they're, they're more charged up since since um, um oh maybe this summer <laughs> We don't have to go back very far. The country is already charged up by threatening us and this is what Trump and McConnell are doing. this is what's behind this whole thing. It's all about roe v Wade. it's all about abortion and by threatening us with overturning Roe v Wade. And doing this during the largest uprising in US history during a once in a century pandemic? Wrong move, Mitch. Wrong move, Donald. Hopefully, you're not listening to this because I don't, I really want you to keep making your mistakes. But I want to say this to the people listening make no mistake about this. This is war and it must be fought like a war. We must fight this like a war. I mean, minus the, you know, the physical violence obviously. Fight it the way Gandhi fought his war against the British, brought the British empire down without firing a shot. Let me tell you, you know this already. The other side, the enemy here, they're already organized. They're rallying the troops. They've got their Supreme Court nominee already identified. You've probably heard her name. McConnell McConnell already had every senator. He contacted everyone. He had them all under his thumb in less than 12 hours after Ginsburg's death. Wow. And then some started to slip out. But that's how fast they move. I mean, me, I'm, I'm, I'm talking into a microphone to you. I'm so, I've been working on this podcast for the last couple hours, preparing what I wanted to say. In the meantime, they're just off. They're off to the races. My friends, we will not win unless we are willing to drop what we are doing. Drop what we're doing right now, this weekend, and fight like hell and show this Republican party that they need to stand down on pushing through a new justice for the Supreme Court. They need to stand down now. Otherwise, we will crush them. I know, listen to me, we will crush them, we will crush them. The the truth is, of course, we don't usually crush them, they crush us. They are liars and hypocrites and enthusiastic misogynists, and they win most every time. That's the sad truth of it, isn't it? They represent a minority of the population, the majority agree with us, on every single issue. But they've held power for so long and it just doesn't go away overnight. Let's see, the thing with the other side, especially in this war, the war, their war of filling the Ginsburg seat on the Supreme Court, they have a simple and clear mission, easily understood with one major goal, to force women To have babies. That's it. That's the whole point of this. Get enough right-wing justices on the Supreme Court, make abortion illegal, and force those women to have those babies. That's it. Their nirvana is to be able to lord over women's reproductive organs. That's what this is about. And they believe that they've just been handed a gift with the death of Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Think about this, they have tried unsuccessfully for 47 years to win back their control over women. (laughs) They've They've been on a crusade. And now the day has finally come where they may once again be able to dictate to all women what they can and cannot do with their ovaries let me tell you, my friends, they mean business about this. And if we don't mean business right now, then we might as well just let Orwell or Margaret Atwood write the rest of our story because America is over. But no, no, I refuse to let it be over. I refuse to give in. So I'm going to give you some things here. And I'm I'm posting this. Um on my Facebook and um some of it on Twitter, some of it on Instagram, but all of this will be on, on my Facebook uh site, which is you can just go to Facebook slash MM Flint. That's my page. Here you go. You ready? This is what we must do. Beginning right now. I mean literally, you're gonna turn this off here in a couple minutes. And we need to get busy. Number one, the next 72 hours of public opinion is going to determine who wins this war. Because even the Republicans, especially those who are up for reelection in, in the Senate, they're they're really trying to listen to the people. They're trying to figure out what's best for me. They don't really have any real personal opinions about abortion. It's really just what can keep me in power. If they have a sense that the majority of Americans believe in choice and will fight fight like hell to stop them from doing this to our Supreme Court, they may back down. That's why we the outcry right now from us, it must be massive, it must be immediate, and it must be loud. Right now, everybody listening to this, think about this. Think about spontaneous protests and demonstrations um, that you could participate in today. Maybe you have to start them. Don't wait for anybody to organize this for you in your town, in your neighborhood. You must organize it. Go ahead when we're done here right now. Call or text or write everyone you know and just say to them, meet, you know, meet me here at one o'clock, three o'clock, five o'clock, whatever at the federal building in town or maybe it's the federal courthouse. Maybe it's city hall. Maybe it's the town square. You, wherever is the best place usually for crowds to gather Get the word out and tell everybody to tell 10 people and those 10 tell 10 and those 10 tell those hundred tell 10 and you've got a thousand people there. Or go over to your local U.S. Senator's office. Every state has two U.S. Senators. And each of those senators has two or three offices throughout the state, at least depending on how large, you know, the state is find that Senator's office, find the building it's in and have the protest there. That's probably the best place. Go with homemade signs and then start screaming bloody murder. Call the media, let them know that you're there and then do it again tomorrow and the next day and the next day. Let the thing build. If you live within a two or three hour drive of DC, well, go down there and join this growing massive crowd that's standing vigil outside the Supreme Court. This is our court. It's not the men's court. It's not the Republican court. It's not the gun owner's court, it's our court. So back off all of you who think it's yours instead of ours. We are the majority. We who believe in choice and who believe in women's rights and who believe that women should be paid the same as men and who believe that everybody should be paid a living wage who believe that climate change is real and that we're not in, in a crisis. We're in an emergency. We're in an extinction event. We're the majority who believe that this is what's going on right now. And the majority of this country, I'm sorry, my friends who don't agree with me. This is just a fact. The majority of this country, the majority are not Republican. The majority is not male and 77% of us don't own, don't even own a single goddamn gun. So the, the majority are not gun nuts. Your days of running our country are over right now. The fact that you think that you could just put somebody on the Supreme Court when you know that Trump is on his way out and you're gonna try to, try to pack this thing so we have a court that's in the, image and likeness of Donald J. Trump for decades? No, this is not your country to run for yourself. It's all of our country and we are the majority. But you know what? Here's, here's how, this is how decent we are. When we, uh, you know, take over in about 45 days, when we get our country back in our hands, this is how good we're going to be to you. I can make you this promise right now, fellow Americans who are right-wingers, conservatives, Republicans, or whatever. This is our promise. When we're in charge, you can keep your guns. Please be safe with them, lock them up so the kids can't get them, you know, but you can keep your guns. And men, you can keep your penises. It's okay. And and here's the good news. You can vote for as many Republicans as you want in every election. We will not voter suppress you. You're just going to have to vote from now on in a non-gerrymandered, voter-protected country. Can you handle that? Because otherwise, just vote your heart away. But you got to play by the rules, the rules that are fair for everyone. And by the way, here's going to be this is going to be rule number one when we're in charge. None of your grubby hands will ever be controlling any woman's body again. Go find a new fetish or hobby. Those days are over. Number two. Okay, so everybody got the first one. Get busy, get active. Go protest, get in the streets. You've seen how good this has worked with the uprising that we've had. Thank you, Black Lives Matter. (sighs) Thank you, young people. Thank you, everybody who's done this. And thank you, George Floyd. God bless you and Brianna and everyone else who's had their lives sacrificed on the altar of, of police corruption and police fascism. You should be alive to see this, what's going on in your name. Here's number two. This is the second thing I'm going to ask everybody to do. (sighs) Social media. If there ever, if social media was ever meant to do anything worthwhile right now, right now, this weekend, this week, this is its epic historic moment today and tomorrow. I want each of you to post something. I hope, I hope you're on one of these. At least I know a lot of you don't like it. I understand why you don't like it, but, but, We've got to, they need to see a tsunami on the internet. These Republicans, a hundred million of us rising up and ready to drown, ready to drown out their pathetic careers. Please make every Republican scared shitless, especially the ones who think they can get away with this. If you can post something every hour on Twitter or Facebook or Instagram. Get your friends and neighbors and family members to do the same. They will freak out when they see how many of us are doing this. Look, there's 10 million of you that are already that follow me on social media between my Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. There's So I'm just asking. I'm asking for a million. That's it. Just a million of you to tweet at the Republicans, to Facebook, at them, Instagram. We really, really need to make noise. Right now, today. Number three. Okay, now this is something I'm going to ask of a longtime listener, uh, but not yet a first time caller, Nancy Pelosi, Representative Pelosi, and all of you who are in the House Democratic leadership, God bless you. Please, you have to do something that the Republicans have been doing for decades. You know how they always try to shut down the government? They won't pass the continuing resolution and we're always in this crazed state that we're not going to have any money. You have to do that now for the first time this coming week, you have to block the continuing resolution that funds the government and just let it shut down, shut the whole damn thing down, shut the government down. So they do not have the funds to try to ram through this person. They want to get on the Supreme court before Trump's gone. Just take the money out of the system that runs the halls of Congress or make a contingent on Mitch McConnell signing a pledge in writing that he will put no Supreme Court nominee in front of the Senate before Inauguration Day. If you can get him to do that and you trust him, and remember, you can't, um, then you'll let the government continue. Now, I know some people won't like this. Well, what about you know some of this money's got to go to? Yes, but we're all going to have to sacrifice here a little bit for a week or two or whatever it is to make sure that the Republicans in Congress, especially the United States Senate, cannot cannot do the job that they're going to try to do, to not pull off another one of their crimes. Right? Call Nancy Pelosi. Call her up 202-225-3121 or 202-224-3121. You'll get an operator there on Capitol Hill and just say, I'd like to speak to Nancy Pelosi, Speaker Pelosi. They'll connect you. You may just get an answering machine. She gets a lot of calls. Just leave a message. Leave the message. Hundreds of messages on there saying, let the government be shut down. Do not give them any money so that they can be over there in the Senate doing the deed. In fact, now that I've given out the number, that's our—that's the fourth thing I want to suggest that everybody listening to, all of us have to melt down the Senate switchboard every single day this week. Call your two-state Senators. Each state, again, remember, has two. If you don't know their names, that's okay. The operator will pick up, and you'll say, "I want to talk to my senator." And they'll, they'll say, "What state are you from?" And you know, you'll say, "Michigan." And, you'll, and then they'll say, "Well, do you want to talk to uh, uh, Senator Peters?" Uh, or they'll say, "Would you like to talk to Senator Stabenow? Um, Pick pick one. Call back. Ask for the other. And even though they're Democrats, don't. It's still important. It's important because they will they will share. The fact that they got hundreds, thousands of messages saying, do not allow this to happen. You could also call back and ask for any of the Republican senators that claim to be sort of on the fence. So you've got Senator Collins from Maine, Senator Murkowski uh, from Alaska, Senator Romney from Utah, Senator Gardner from Colorado, Senator Roberts from Kansas, Senator Alexander from Tennessee, or Senator Grassley from Iowa. Ask to speak to any of them and leave a message. Encourage them to follow their conscience. They've all made comments that they don't feel comfortable about trying to pull this off on the American people before the American people are gonna vote and decide what direction they want the country to go in. Yeah, I mean, if they're so sure Trump's gonna win, then just wait, (laughs) just wait, what's the rush? If you're so sure he's gonna win in six weeks, 45 days as I'm recording this 45 days um, till, till the election. no no um, uh, nominee to the United States Supreme Court has ever been pushed through in any any time shorter than 47 days. So we're already we're already past the deadline of when in our history um, the time that was necessary to do the proper vetting and the proper hearings and the proper everything We're past that point. Okay, now, number five. We're almost done. Uh, Again, this isn't so much for those of you listening, but I do need you to call. Senate Democratic leaders. Okay, are you listening? Chuck, Schumer, the rest of you? You must grind Senate business to a screeching halt. You have to use every single tactic in the book to stall, upend, um, block, bottle up, clog up, gum up the works so that no Republican business can get done. And you've watched the Republicans do this now for years. That's what they do. You know, you're always also good and decent. You don't want to do that. Well, you're going to do it now. You got to do it now. You got to take a page out of their playbook and stop them by any means necessary. And Chuck Schumer, yes, I'm talking to you. You must lead the charge. If you are unwilling to immediately draw your sword, your virtual sword, please, no no weapons. If you are unable to do that and go to war for us, then I'm calling upon New Yorkers uh, to publicly vow To primary him in 2022, we're going to find a great congressperson from New York. I think we all know one or two of them, maybe. Mm -hmm. Yes, that's right. We're going to find somebody, one of the great ones here, and we're going to run them against you, Chuck. We're going to primary you, and that's going to be the end of your Senate job. I'm sorry to have to talk to you like this. I, I met you the first time years ago when you were just a congressman. You're such a good guy. Great sense of humor. Somehow you're related to the great Amy Schumer, so already you get like 105 points for that. So come on, Chuck. All right, now is not the time to be a wimp. You've you've got to just tell them straight up, You this isn't happening. This is not happening. I'm drawing the line. The American people can no longer tolerate Democrats who are wimps or wusses or traitors. AOC started the purge two years ago. We're going to finish it. We're going to keep this going. Jamal Bowman, everybody, all these great uh, uh, justice Democrats and others who have run in the primary against Democrats who've been in there for 20 or 30 years and won again. We have more victories this year. We'll do it again. Senate Democrats, you must stop this. This is on your back. We can't do it. You have to do it. And then finally, number six. I'm just posing this question. I haven't talked to um, uh, to Linda or any of the others, uh, the women who organized the Women's March back in January of 2016. Mm-hmm. It may be time for another Women's March on this, March on D.C. If that's what we need, a million people, two million, packing Washington, D.C., to let this Senate know that we will not tolerate them trying to scoot somebody in onto the Supreme court before we get rid of Trump. I'll, I'll put a call in. I'll see. I'll find out. And I'll tell everybody here in the, um, in the next few days, if they're planning something or somebody's planning something, I think this would probably be a good idea. Um, so there you go. It's a start, right? We can do this. We can do this, but we have to act now. The majority of Americans are with us. My friends. So why not win for once? Why don't we do this? Everybody has to get active though right now. I'm sorry. I know there's so many things going on that we've got to do, but mostly we're trying to not get COVID. We're trying to live. We have family who are sick. We have children we're trying to protect. I mean, it's just up and down and everything. I get it. We don't know what's going on with our schools. This could not come at a worse time. We have to be out there working to get rid of Trump. So, yes, the timing, not right, not right, but it never is, is it? You know, I was thinking last night after we spoke here on this on this podcast, and I was thinking how sad and upset and hurt and even mad that she had to leave us now. We we're almost there. We were almost to the finish line. And I woke up this morning, and I was laying in bed thinking about that, and I was thinking, why are you putting that on her? Man, she will never know what she suffered through, what pain that she's been in, four different cancers, during these four years of Trump. And she did her best to hang in there, but but maybe she knew, maybe she knew that she was never going to be able to take us all the way to the finish line, all the way to the promised land. And there's lots of examples in history of where that's exactly what happens, right? You get to the Jordan River, and you don't get to cross in. The guy that actually brings you across the desert doesn't get to go in. I remember listening to that story, and I was a kid, and I'm going, whoa, this is not fair. (laughs) But at some point, the people have to go in, and they have to create their own life. One person can't fix it for everybody. One person can't just be the be-all and the end-all of how to build this new life. She took us here, we're right here. We're six weeks away from getting rid of Trump if we do our job with that. And as I've said on every episode, don't be so cocksure that, that we're gonna succeed. Take this very seriously, take him seriously. But maybe, maybe what we should be thinking about tonight. I heard someone, somebody, somebody, well, somebody sent me this thing about. There's something about people who die on either on Rosh Hashanah, which is uh, the Jewish New Year, fifty-seven eighty-one. If you're keeping track, you know. let Let's just admit that fifty-seven eighty-one is not going to be as good as fifty-seven eighty. But if you remember fifty-seven, sixty-three, that one rocked. All kidding aside, um, there's this teaching in the Jewish tradition that those who live and die either on or just before the new year, that God had had as part of His plan, that because they were the the ones that we needed the most, they were the righteous ones, that in though this was the year they had to go, he stretched out their time to the last possible minute. And in this case, literally, I think she passed away just minutes here before sundown so that all of us can benefit from those last weeks, days, hours, from them being part of us and being here with us. So in that case, it's a blessing, right? We had her that long. We weren't supposed to. And if she got the 330 million of us here to six weeks to 45, 44, 43 days, that's pretty damn good. And we just can't be saying, hey, wait a minute. We we liked how we didn't have to do any of this work. As long as she was there, Supreme Court was okay. Now we got to work. Yeah, we have to work. Yeah, now it's on us. And if we live according to the way she lived, if we live by those principles, if we live with that strength, if we are willing to endure pain and sacrifice for the greater good as she did, if we follow that example, when I say we, I don't mean the 150,000 who might be listening to this podcast right now or the people on social media. I'm, I'm talking about the big we, the big we. 100 million of us, 200 million of us. What if we just rose up? Part of our uprising right now, part of our Black Lives Matter uprising, part of the student uprising, part of a decades-long women's uprising that we're still not there yet. It's disgusting. Come on. Yes, we had a great leader in her. Yes, she did so much to pave the way. My friend, Dan, the congressman from Flint, he texted me just before we went on the air here, and he said, "Um, I'm standing here now. There's thousands here. 75% of them are women, and so many of them have brought their daughters, have brought their granddaughters, these little tykes, They wanted their girls to be there in this moment and see this and draw strength from it and fight on. This is what we all need to do right now. Find that inner strength. Find that resolve. You can do this. I know you're busy. I know you're looking out for your parents and your kids and trying to keep everybody safe right now. Maybe you can't go to a protest. Maybe maybe you do social media. Maybe you just call Chuck Schumer or Nancy Pelosi's office. Maybe you call your senators. Do something. Be loud. Be noisy right now. The Republicans need to be scared shitless. They can scare too. Yeah. Yesterday was the first day of voting in four states. Now I should say Friday was. And it was on all the newscasts, and you could see the line was so long, and, and they talked to everybody, and it was just one Biden voter after another. And the Trump people saw this on TV on Friday night. So on Saturday, here yesterday, they got their big Trump flags and their Confederate flags and their whole thing and put them in their pickup trucks and started driving around to the different polling sites and they would pull up. And at first the people in line, again, it appeared to be mostly Biden voters, even though anybody could be in line, it's its an actual polling place. You go in and vote for who you want. They thought they were coming to get in line to go vote for Trump. No. No, they were there to intimidate. They jumped out with their big flags, yelling at people in line. You could see in the faces of some of the elderly they were frightened, because these are the these these yahoos. You don't know if they have weapons. You don't know what the deal is. You know you're not far. You're not very far from Charlottesville in this case, so you're completely on edge. That's the per, that's their purpose to have you on edge, to have you be afraid, to scare you, maybe convince some of you to leave. Why stay in line and risk your life? Eventually, they get back in their pickup trucks and they, they drive off. But it's quite frightening and no cops intervened. You know, there's laws in most states that you can't bring posters and flags for a candidate or whatever and be that close to a line of voters to be that close to the voting site. I know in Michigan, I think it's you have to be 100 feet away. But they were there because they believe that liberals, Democrats are scaredy cats, and easily frightened. And in the video I saw, nobody left. Nobody was frightened. They, I'm sure, had fear inside them because you didn't know what these crazies were going to do. But there they were. And they interviewed one woman and she said, I wasn't going. I wasn't leaving. I wasn't even going to play. I wasn't even planning to vote today. But because of Ruth Bader Ginsburg passing away, I got up early. I wanted to be first in line. I wanted to honor her by voting today. As a woman, as a black woman in Virginia, wow, it was so powerful. That's in all of us. Please think about what you can do today. Please do something. Do it today. Do it tomorrow. There's more of us than there are of them. And so, Ruth, if you're listening, um, I'm going to play a little (sighs) operatic style piece for you (laughs) that I... I've loved this song for a long time. I I Actually, I first heard it in a Robert Altman film with Paul Newman. It's called Buffalo Bill and the Indians. Great film. And so I I put it in in my film, Capitalism, A Love Story, back in 2009. And and it, it plays over the passing away of Franklin Roosevelt, showing all these shots of people from around the country in tears, so sad that he was gone. All the good that he did for those who were the have-nots. That's what you did, Ruth. That's what you did. That's how you lived your life. So I, I send this out to you at the end of this episode. Thanks everybody for listening. This is Rumble. I'm Michael Moore. And it's time to fight on.